All right, welcome to the Student Success Exchange podcast, a series of deep conversations about real student stories between a student affairs professional and the students he serves. I'm your host, David Ipyam, a student affairs professional and a leadership educator committed to assisting proactive students to level up. When I'm not working with couples to maximize their relationships through relationshipzen.ca or with professionals to elevate their game through change intelligence and with families to learn martial arts at Mind Over Matter Karate, I'm facilitating spaces with students who want to be high performers and game changers. The idea behind this interview style podcast is to learn from the experience of students who are striving and persevering through post-secondary education to better understand how they make sense of their journey and to identify the skills they use throughout the process. So before we jump into this episode, I just want to let students and those who support students know that I'll be creating an online course in summer 2019 in which I guide students through a unique self-reflective and experiential framework to clarify their personal philosophy, surround themselves with the confidence, mindfulness, and recovery strategies for high impact and performance, and avoid common pitfalls that can sabotage the student experience. So sign up for updates if you're interested at davidipyam.com forward slash student dash success. So in this episode, episode two, our guest Nadia shares her engaging story growing up as a multilingual individual who was eventually drawn to the field of academia, specifically to study linguistics. This episode is loaded with student success insights. I know you'll love it. Hi, Nadia. Hi. Thanks for agreeing to be interviewed on the Student Success Exchange. Oh, my pleasure. Okay. So why don't you just introduce yourself? Um, hi, uh, I'm Nadia, and I'm going into my fifth year in uh, Linguistics and Language Studies here at uh, Glendon College. I've taken a whole bunch of courses in French, so I had to take a whole bunch in English at Kiel, but now I'm back at Glendon, and um, yeah, that's me. Okay. So, Nadia, why don't you tell us where you're local to? Well, Toronto, seeing as I am here. I've been living here since I was three years old. I was born in um, in St. Petersburg, which is in the north of Russia, but my family has a very um, a very mixed background. My father's from Central Asia, but my mother has um, Bavarian, so Southeastern German, and uh, Southwestern French background. So whenever I meet German and Francophone people, I definitely feel an affinity to those parts of the world, especially the French part, uh, spending a lot of my um, adolescence and young adulthood in a community of especially French immigrants, uh, the Francophone community. Uh, so generally when people, um, before they find out, oh, she was actually born in um, the Eastern Bloc, she, uh, oh no, she speaks good French, she speaks like a bit original French. That's that's probably why. Um, yeah, I'd say uh, those are the main places I, I'm somewhat local to uh, by the definition I was given. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And how has, if at all, these kind of identities which you shared with us shaped your decision to pursue education at Glendon Campus, York University, in linguistic studies bilingually, if at all? Well, uh, for the longest time, uh, I spoke French at home. But it was interesting, because in linguistics, they'll tell you, they'll define a native speaker for you. But French was a language that had 
fizzled in and out of my family because of the um, Soviet regime and the um, the lack of individualism in this uh, collectivist communist society. And my mother, growing up, was discouraged from speaking things like German and French. Everything was Russian, 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 uh, which I obviously do speak in addition to French. Not as well, uh, unfortunately, but... I think the bilingual aspect of the Glendon campus seemed like a challenge for me. I went to an English-speaking high school and an English-speaking middle, elementary school, and uh, going to core French was always really interesting for me. Because it was like, I knew the language, I'd heard it at home, I'd heard it spoken in like bits of dialect and like very stylized, almost like Russianized French. Uh, as well as standard, like, uh, metropolitan, hexagonal French. And uh, it was weird just hearing it, like, diced up and sort of compartmentalized in school. And I just thought, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that they're presenting it to us this way? And I think that seeing something that was one of my first languages being presented in a way cut up like a pizza or a pie really started to get me thinking about, well, how can we say this in French, but not in Russian and not in English? It doesn't sound like they say that in something like Japanese either. I was thinking about languages since I was a very young child, actually, and I'd, uh, I'd hear people's accents and I wouldn't make fun of them, but I'd always ask myself, well, why do they sound like that? Like, like an intellectual huh. curiosity, almost? Almost, yeah, kind of, but it was so fueled by a childlike curiosity that uh, I almost went to U of T, but I suppose the um, the challenge of pursuing my education in French, French of all languages, a language that I had read and had known to, to be so, well, um, I don't want to use the word frilly because I, I know there's different registers and different ways to express yourself in French, but a language that seemed like so close yet so far. I thought the opportunity was well, was too tempting not to take, and so I ended up here. But it's interesting you should mention as a linguistics student, because I didn't go into linguistics initially. Mm, tell me more. Well, I came here as um, for the, the Bachelor of Education in French Studies and, at the time, History. Uh, I really liked history, and uh, I thought, well, if I can approach French with this detachment, but still realize it, very efficiently and very clearly um, as um, a native or, non -na or a near native speaker, well, there's, there's an advantage there for me. But I slowly came to the realization that even though theoretically I admired and I could even exercise the, um, the spirit of pedagogy very well, that um, something drew me very much to the theoretical aspect of the language, very much to the structural aspect, very much to language as an entity and not just something to be taught, to be um, simplified almost, which is how I felt, even though that's not really the case, to be fair. I, teaching is so much more than just simplifying things and watering things down for people. Obviously, sometimes you have to, but if people really want to be exposed to something, I think that... Um, the teacher and the student really, um, they kind of work together, you know, to, to, to get to that, like, complex uh, meat and potatoes, for mm. lack of a better word, together. But I realized that our, it wasn't for me, and uh, here at Glendon, I, I caught myself dreaming, you know? There was a course in my, after I had switched into linguistics, there was a course in my second year where it was an awfully rainy autumn, and 
you know, I just heard the, the prof and the students in the background talking about structure and this and that, and I just watched the, the raindrops on the glass pane, and, you know, I, I was learning while I was dreaming, and it was, it was this feeling of, yeah, yeah, this is what I should be doing. You're in the right place. Exactly. So, sorry, did you enter into linguistics, or did you switch into linguistics? So, I switched into it oh, in great. second year. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, so that's an interesting um, background into where why you chose linguistics as a, as a program sort of rooted from your childhood. What other aspects of your interests or values or ambitions kind of influence your experience, student experience at Glendon? Well, I've changed so much since I came here to yeah. Glendon. But I think one thing that's always remained the same is I've always been a curious person. And I've always been an empathetic person, for better or for worse. Uh, and I think that this childlike curiosity and almost petulant empathy is what drove me there and drove me to other aspects of um, of Glendon, including my co-curricular life. And just seeing how how I could stretch out my experiences, how I could not just streamline them, but also balance them out, see how I could apply them into social interactions, into learning more about my peers, people with different interests, because, you know, just because their interests are different from mine doesn't mean that their interests aren't as valuable. All the more so if people people do such wonderful things Mm -hmm. with what they're interested in. So you have a fairly rich uh, academic and co-curricular and work-study experience on campus. Could you tell us a bit more about your student journey? Um, and how maybe empathy and curiosity helped or fueled or changed throughout. Whoa, where do I begin? Yeah, maybe the, from the chronologically, yeah. Or I've, your first day compared I've, to... My first day I was driven here and my first class was Intro to Linguistics in French. And I stumbled in the class wearing my clogs and this ill-fitting bright pink trench coat that I recently given away to charity and hopefully someone will wear it and it'll fit them better than me and uh, we talked about saussure so Ferdinand de Saussure uh, one of the fathers of um, modern linguistics uh, European school very theoretical semantics uh, signifier signified I won't get into all that theory but one of the first things I thought in that class was Saussure. That sounds like a cross between saucisse and chaussure. And for those of you who don't speak French, that sounds like a cross between sausage and shoe. And um, I said that out loud and everyone laughed at me, but I felt, even though I knew some of them were laughing at me because what I had said was absolutely ridiculous, I also felt that some of them were laughing with me because looking back at it, I said it with such a childlike simplicity that like, Sometimes I look at these photos of myself, you know, at 16, 17, 18, and I see, like, there's something very childlike, but there's also something very almost cold, machine-like, very intellectual in, like, those dark blue eyes. And I say to myself, I've developed in both ways. So I stayed there in linguistics, as, as it turned out. <laughs> I didn't stay in education. And um, I met a whole bunch of people. I met my classmates, and I... I knew linguistics, you could, um, you could apply it in different areas, you know, like you could 
do things. You can do applied linguistics, theoretical linguistics, something in between. You can become intrepid like Indiana Jones. I even have a professor huh, just up the stairs here who randomly said in one class, Did I ever tell you guys about the time I had malaria? And we all just looked at him like, but, 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 that's how intrepid they get. I don't think I've ever been so intrepid, but um, I did take Japanese at York, and I think that was a... Um, it was an amazing experience. There were good and um, bad points to the overall experience, but I think all of them served to teach me a very important lesson. And I think it was to branch out my curiosity and to branch out my empathy and, you know, to, to develop them on a case-by-case -case basis, but also keep them grounded and really make them my values. To the point that this experience in university has really led to the development of one of my core, core values, apart from integrity, especially academic integrity, uh, <laughs> uh, it would probably be never stop learning. Lifelong learning. Never, ever, ever stop growing, stop developing as a person. And I don't think that's just the key to student success. I think that's the key to any kind of success. Because I think that a person can reinvent themselves at any age, at any point. So you talked about um, looking at yourself um, when you first started at Glendon, mm -hmm. uh, more intellect intellectually bent, uh, leaning towards more intellectually, uh, and maybe less in the empathy area, right? And you said you developed that over time. Mm -hmm. How much of your development or student development would you say was due to your university experience versus outside of life? And what was the interaction like? I think because of my aspirations toward academia, the lines between academic life and non-university life are so blurred for me. Because when you make friends and you make connections at university, they stick with you the rest of your life. And it's not like I don't go home and I don't think about my friends or anything like that. So it's really hard to answer that question. Mm -hmm. Okay, no problem. And if you weren't a student at Glendon, what would you be doing? Well, I have two answers to that question. Okay. Uh, one is the more humorous answer that I always give. If someone s said to me, what would you be if you weren't studying linguistics at Glendon? And I always say, I'd be one of those angry chef Ramsay type chefs. So that's, that's answer one. <laughs> answer two is, I think life has a way of teaching you the things that need to be taught without necessarily, you know you having to go to one place at one particular time. So I feel like I would have learned the lessons I needed to know, but I wouldn't have been the same person. Who I would have been, I don't know. Maybe I would be fluent in German and living in Bavaria right now, which would be awesome because the beer is awesome, but who's to say that where I am right now isn't awesome? I, I, I'd say I'm quite content. Not happy, because if I were happy and content, I probably wouldn't want to go forward, but I'm... I'm content, but very wryly content, if that makes any sense. Right. Uh, what other, um, when you think of, when I think of content, happy, I'm also thinking of ambitions. What other ambitions you have and that you want, you're working towards or w want to work towards? I, my best friend always says to me, I have a knack for getting into trouble. And I think that's really carried me places. I think my ambition is very organic and it grows from these situations that I apparently have a knack of getting into. And my next ambition as, um, well, as, a, as a student would be to enter uh, my master's program, wherever that may be. And uh, after that, I 
well, we'll see where life takes me. In terms of um, my personal development, my what my ambitions are, I really want to reflect on my time at Glendon, and I want to see where these relationships that I built have taken me. Because I feel like these are lifelong relationships, and I think that at Glendon, it's not like I didn't know how to love people before I came here, but I feel like only after I came here did I ever do something truly selfless, and did I ever act against my own benefit. Hmm. And let's talk a bit more about relationships. So, um, are you referring to student, uh, student to student relationships, student staff, student faculty? Because I know that you're you're a student who has just my observation relationships on all kind of in all levels of domains. How has that kind of contributed to the way to your student experience? I think it's very tripartite, and um, you're right, I can't say that anyone has been more valuable than the other. I feel that the student interaction has definitely been the most dynamic, the most uh, widely spread. I think most of the people I interact with are students, and I think that the most diverse uh, amount of uh, new information that I get is from students. With staff, as student staff, as an administrator, I've definitely made connections with, um, excuse me, with my coworkers, my supervisors, and I think learning about that really taught me that there's no need to prove to everyone how smart you are. If people want to appreciate you for who you are, they're going to do that. And there's no need to act like a know-it-all because then you just look like you're putting people down and that's the last thing you want to do, especially when the everyone, everyone you meet, even if they seem awful, have something to give you. Even if it's that, just that one awful experience of someone insulting you on the bus or something. Not that anyone here insulted me on the bus. <laughs> and um, with uh, professorial corpus, I would say that... Um, that one's also difficult. I, 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 it depends on the class. It depends on, it depends on what you want to do with your life. You know, finding a mentor. But even that's such a tricky situation because a mentor is more than just a letter of reference or someone you do research for. A mentor, especially in your twenties, you really start to enter that age of adults you're an adult and the adults around you the older adults the people you saw as parental or authority figures when you were younger are people now and they're fragile and they're vulnerable people right there's a shift there is and uh, you begin to develop these feelings of you know i think oddly enough uh, part of my empathy developed there Part of my empathy developed definitely are helping students through uh, their academic work, their co-curricular work, helping with clubs, learning about accessibility, learning about accommodation, bilingualism, being a decent human being that way. I think it was very well um, presented to me, uh, much like French was presented to me as a child. Uh, but more organically, empathy came from learning about academia i think mm. oddly enough mm. yeah it's not it's not something that uh, we think we're going to go to i'm going to go to, to post-secondary school to develop that kind of skill but it is definitely an outcome and a part of the process it's very interesting that you 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 share that um so you've already shared a number of lessons learned from your own experience i'm wondering how do you define or think about or articulate student success from your personal experience i think from everything i've learned Student success for me is so much more 
dynamic and organic than probably what they write in textbooks or um, what they what they share with you. And perhaps it would be a bit hypocritical of me to say that, oh, I don't think it has anything to do with academics when my life <laughs> pretty much revolves around my academics. But um, I think that the measure of success is how far you're willing to go to develop as a person and how willing you are to seize your dreams and to change your dreams. For example, I recently watched on Netflix Coco. Do you know that movie, David? No. It's that it's that Pixar movie where with the boy on Day of the Dead, like Dia los Defuntos, with the with the guitar, and um, he goes to the land of the dead, and like that one. Okay, I've seen the image. Yeah. I will click on it. Yeah. <laughs> so in that one, um, one of the lessons that um he well there is there's a character that they say oh music ruined the family's life shoes brought everyone together and um this person ab- abandoned the family for music. Uh, and I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything because this isn't about Coco, but uh, life, you're going to have to make sacrifices in life. And uh, sometimes you just, you have to know what to go for. You have to know. Sometimes when you invest so much in something that you never even really wanted, you're going to have to break ties and you're going to have to break eggs and you might even make yourself cry. And I've been through that, but I think I've come out of it stronger. And I think that people who are willing to see their dreams grow from, I just want to be a musician, let's say, to, I want to play music for the children, sick children of the world or something. I want to go around to hospitals and be that kind of entertainer. Or maybe they'll pursue a degree in psychology or a degree in, uh, a dual degree in music and psychology. Or perhaps they'll go into the medical sciences. I think student success for me is... Figuring out your dream, taking your dream seriously, and not letting it stay stagnant, letting it grow with you, but always keeping whatever that core value is at heart. If it's empathy, let it be empathy. Integrity, let it be integrity. Mm. Thank you. Um, Now, if I flip the question on the institution, about the institution, what should the goal of Glendon or any other university or college be in your mind? I think that students need to be pushed sometimes. I think that students need to learn to take their dreams seriously and I feel like that was a lesson that I took for granted when I came here because I hear so many people saying I don't know what I want to do, I don't know what I want to do. When I really think that they know exactly what it is they want to do but the people around them or the institutions around them don't present that that desire or that dream as something, again, desirable or worthy of being dreamed uh, up, you know? Uh, I think that students need to learn to streamline their dreams and learn to, okay, for example, uh, I want to study um, the human voice. Okay, how do you want to study the human voice? Why do you want to study the human voice? Or... I want to be a speech-language pathologist. Okay, in what context? I think students need to learn to ask themselves the five W's, and I think they need to learn to make a game plan for themselves. And that game plan is going to be risky, and that game, but that game plan also has to have, in French you say, lancer des jalons. So, like, um, I, I think the best way to translate that would be to... Um, how, could, how would I translate that, David? Test the field? No, like, um, sort of, 
like he throw out like um step one step two step oh, like three. break it down yeah like mm-hmm. sort of thing um for yourself as you progress i think uh, there needs to be a good balance between the analytical and the um and the inspirational the um the spontaneous right. so do you think institutions can do a better job helping students through that process, encouraging students to go through that process, yes. challenging and supporting students. Definitely. That. I okay. think there's almost like a pendulum yeah. of uh, dynamic, uh, spontaneous and rigid theoretical. And I feel like that pendulum always swings back and forth. But I, I think once it really like there's that good balance there, institutions will be onto something. Right. And, and, and you've done um, both, you know, you have your academic in-class experience and you also have some co-curricular experience, mm-hmm. uh, Jumpstart and whatnot, which was a pre-orientation program. Yeah. Have you seen that um, that process of you know goals and whatnot reflected in any aspect of your education? Where have you seen it more strongly than others, or or not? Interesting, you should mention that. I was at work, so uh, as I record this, I am a bilingual projects assistant at the Office of Student Affairs, which is kind of like a translator, secretary, club peer mentor role. And I was uh, analyzing responses to a first year survey and uh, the goals that first year students had set out for themselves. And when I did that, I was really 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 inspired by how candid and how how honest these response some of these responses were some of them of course there will be people who go into extenuous detail and people who just sort of write something for the sake of writing something but some of them were so honest and so wow like you think back to yourself as a first year and um yeah i think in my co-curricular experience, seeing these first years, when I meet them at Jumpstart and then seeing them afterward, there's actually a really funny experience. There was a student that um, I had actually uh, taught, I would um, facilitated some of her Jumpstart sessions, and um, she is in a major, in a particular major, and she had a course with um, a contract faculty member whom I met on the picket line. And every time I see her, I remember this, and I'm like, oh, hey, what a small world. Like, who would have thought? So, I, I really, lines are, lines are blurred, and you'll never know how they, how they blur. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of your own experience, uh, student experience, what are the things in your life which have either made success easier or more difficult success or your journey easier or more difficult um in a word it's oddly enough it's the same thing for both of them i think it's love that's made it very difficult and made it very easy at the same time and i'll tell you what i mean by that there's for people who study philosophy you look at ancient greek philosophy the different kinds of love agape philia all that sort of thing uh love for what you do I had a real pot calling the kettle black moment a few days back when I wrote to um, a colleague of mine and just to, to see how this person was doing and told this person about how I was doing. And this person wrote back to me and said, well, I hope you can actually rest this summer. And I was like, oh, pot calling the kettle black, like quintessential workaholic. And uh it's funny the love of what I for what I do both pushes me forward and restrains me in some ways because I one of my weaknesses is that I do tend to venture into workaholism sometimes and other times I tend I, I can become perfectionistic or even neglectful on account of something I happen to prioritize something in my personal life for example might put um a professional project on hold now this has rarely happened 
but it 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 has that's a reality and uh, there have been times where i've excused myself at work to just um have a good cry and uh i had that good cry and i came back and um push myself forward because I, I knew that like for love of what I do I was going to do a good job at work and for love of whatever else was out there in my personal life I was going to make it work so it really is that up and down and I saw the Soviet movie of all things a couple days ago and it was an okay movie but there was this one scene where this mom and her her adult son were having a conversation and she says the worst things in the world some of the worst, worst things in the world have been done in the name of love, but also some of the best. And I, I really think that that's the case here. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so when have you most struggled or triumphed in your student experience? And, and what happens to you when things get hard or extremely going or are going extremely well? When things are going really well, sometimes it's hard for me to fathom that they're going well because I'm so used to instability. I feel like part of me is excited by instability, excited by things going wrong. I'm just, every time something goes wrong, I say, oh great, I can like solve a problem. And part of me is happy when things go wrong. So much so that when things go right, I, uh, even though I'm so happy, part of me almost begins to panic and say, oh my god, what did I do? Is this for real? Like... They can't possibly think that way of me, or I can't possibly be good enough to do so well here. There must be some sort of mistake, and I, I do fall victim to self-doubt sometimes. And I think it's uh, it's a good friend group and a good support group that really helps me through all that, because I'm, I'm one of those people who cries when I'm happy. I'm not a big crier, though, oddly enough. <laughs> so what other resources or tips would you recommend to students to make use of when during those difficult times? Um... I really think it depends. I've definitely used the um, counseling center here at one point. I have spoken to a counselor uh, with regard to things going on in my personal life, and it definitely helped. But I think it helped because I was very uh, cognizant during that first session, and I was very open to the fact that if it pleased me, I would continue, and if it if it not pleased me, I, I wouldn't have continued. I think that uh, students need to be more intuitive with what they perceive as their well-being, but also they need to prioritize their well-being, their physical well-being too. Uh, I know that when I'm under a lot of stress, I like to hit the gym or go for a run, and you know that release of endorphins help me to, helps me to think more clearly. It's better than eating a cupcake, even though cupcakes are great. That's right. In this office, we've enjoyed cupcakes and exercise, everything, the whole we've, gamut of, yeah. which is great. <laughs> different times have. call for different things, right? It's, yes, it does. Um, so we talked a little bit about this, but what skills have you developed along your student journey? You talked about empathy uh, and appreciation for lifelong learning, but what skills have you developed? I think I've learned to say no. And here's what I mean by that. I'll talk about my co-curricular experience and I'll talk about my um, uh, academic experience, my academic being uh, with regard to my peers. So co-curricularly, I think... and. I just want to give a shout out to one of the best supervisors I've ever had. Amanda, you're the best. You're an awesome supervisor. It's Lots Amanda of love. Sartori. Amanda Sartori, student life coordinator, yeah. coordinatrice, la vie étudiante. Mm -hmm. Lots of love. LOL. Uh, I think when my, my uh, experience, my 
great work term with Amanda. I learned to communicate when things were getting difficult for me, when things were too easy for me, and just to like really articulate that spectrum, that uh, sine wave, if you will, of the workload. And I think that's really helped with my with my mental health, with just uh, my general stress levels. Learning that and learning to communicate, and not just be a bit of like the worst part of being an introvert when you're too much of a hermit and you become some socially awkward bonjour type person and for those of you who get that joke all three of you maybe uh you, well and with my student experience uh when i was in high school and in middle school uh I was a very good student, and uh, I was uh, very, very strong academically, but I was very, uh, I wasn't particularly um, socially apt. I was uh, admittedly rather socially inept, and I know that uh, some of my peers took advantage of the fact and just uh, used my acquaintance to help them with homework, really. And I really wanted friends, so I'd do people's homework for them. And this began to sort of resurface in university, but the difference in university was I had my own life. I had my own friends who valued me for for who I am, and uh, I'm actually going out with one of my friends tomorrow, and I'm really happy. I'm just gonna like go for a long walk, girls' day, yay! Um, and uh, when people would just out of the blue say, "Oh, edit this," I just say, "No, like I'm busy." And eventually, like the the negative people who just use me that way trickled out of my life and the positive people who like me for who I am stayed and if they needed my help, great. I'm always open to helping people. I would, I'm the kind of person that will sit down with you, take the phone, call you and go through every paragraph of your French dissertation, pick out the grammar and stylistic points if I care about you and I know you care about me, but if you're just doing that like you hardly know me, then no, get out of here. I, I have a life, you have a life. Let's not waste each other's time. Mm-hmm. So you learned a lot about communication and boundaries and self, self-worth. self Really? Really, I did. Oh, those, are, those are huge. Um, you talked a little bit about health. So how does health impact, how's health impacted your student success? I think health is primordial. Over the course of Glendon, uh, I lost a lot of weight. I did. I went from a size 12 to a size 4, which is... Uh, like 80 kilos to like 58, 60 kilos. Just like, it's a lot. 20 kilos I lost. Uh, and a lot of that was due to, um, managing stress. I, I don't think there was less stress in university. If anything, I think, and perhaps you might agree with me, there's more stress the older you get. Yes. Uh, but I definitely learned to manage it more, uh, as we've discussed. Um, and I think learning to prioritize my health and, you know, not go to school if I'm literally passing out on the street uh, or if I fall and risk a concussion. There was one point in time where it was really slippery a year ago that I came in and I called in and said, hey, I might need to go to the doctors because I fell and hit my head. And another shout out to one of the best dentines ever, Nadej. Je t'aime. Another one of your... Another one of my colleagues, an administrative assistant at the Office of Student Affairs. Lots of love. Um, uh, yeah, she, she basically said on the phone, No, you, you get yourself to a doctor, you ridiculous child, blah, blah, blah. And that was a good 
choice because it turned out I had a bit of whiplash in my neck and uh, I went away in like two days, but I still needed some rest and um, yeah, no. Uh, and prioritizing my mental health too, knowing when to distance myself and when to like get closer to people and like when to focus on what, that, that, that's really, really important. I think students need to know that if they want to be successful and they want to reach their dreams, they have to appreciate that life is a sine wave. You're going to have ups and downs and you need to appreciate both the ups and downs and when you're in a down you got to take care of yourself mm -hmm. so if you had to think back to your ideal day or if you had to craft an ideal day in, in your glennon experience what would it be walk me through tell you one of my better days um this year i ha happen to have the schedule come in the morning come to work and i really did love this job uh, as we record this i will be leaving the office of student affairs at the end of the summer um both to my chagrin and my excitement for new opportunities. But this year, I'll just um, give a bit of a shout out to everyone. And uh, if you recognize yourself in the schedule, good for you. <laughs> Come into work, have my breakfast, say good morning to Amanda, say good morning to Patricia and Nadege, who are both administrative assistants. And uh, I'd sit down, get to work, do some translation on some clubs, Go for my walk in the rain on a an early fall's day. I love how the air smells in fall. And I like taking long walks. People ask me, why don't you have lunch with your friends or something? I, I like being by myself sometimes. And if I want to hang out with my friends, they know that like I'll reach out to them. So I do that, come back, finish my work. It'll be about two o'clock, get another cup of coffee, go upstairs, see one of my colleagues. Probably get into some goofy antics. And then have, have one of my evening classes, get into some goofy antics there, and go home, either exercise or cook, and go to bed happy. I think that, that those would be Wednesdays. Those would be happy Wednesdays. Happy Wednesdays in 2017. Great. And I have a question about uh, your experience in class. Um, are you the type of person who would focus well in class, or would you do the reading after and kind of... What was your process of learning? I think it really depended on the class. Some classes were very hands-on. Some classes I did the reading afterward. And some classes, as you know, I just looked out the window the whole time. <laughs> but you know what? I love that class. That one class I was talking about was the best class I'd ever had at Glenn. The one where you were dreaming? Yeah. But like dreaming about... Dreaming about the work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's like you're in sync there. Yeah. It was like... I so were you, were you receiving information at the same time as I you were was. dreaming? I was. I was. And they just let me be. I, I just look out the window and watch the rain and turn around and say, hey, that's Russian, or hey, that's Japanese. I know those structures. I know what tense or what case that is. I am a happy cookie. All the brains were, the, the, your brain were, was firing, like My, everything was moving. Yeah, no, I was, I was so happy. So happy. And that was one of the hardest classes, the hardest classes in linguistics. Uh, it was a French course, too. The fact that I got an A plus in that course, I was so happy. Because I'd worked so hard for that A plus. And when I got it, I was I was probably one of my happiest moments at Glendon. So was that probably one of the most uh, the moments when you felt most engaged uh, in your, during your student experience in that class? Oh yeah, certainly. Okay. And when have you felt least engaged in your curricular or cur curricular experience? I think the least engaged I've ever felt was in my first year when I had little direction. And I think the least engaged I really felt was 
Oddly enough, uh, in first and second year, when uh, I was pursuing a parallel path, and um, this was in my Japanese class, and uh, this was one of those instances where I would just feel rather used by my peers, either for homework or company, or, you know, feel like the butt of, of jokes, and uh, I just realized it wasn't for me, and I was so disengaged, and I felt myself just sort of no, I'm not going to be a teacher. No, I'm not going to, like, obsess over an idealized, romanticized version of something that's amazing. But it's amazing for all its faults and imperfections. You know, I'm not going to... I didn't want to go down a path where I'd lie to myself. And I feel like not going uh, down... Uh, not going into education was really that. Admitting to myself not to lie to myself. It's like, I think, like, a good... um. A good comparison would be, imagine you fall in love. Mm-hmm. And I use, I, I don't know, maybe it's a very French, like, romance sort of thing, but imagine you fall in love, but you dismiss it as a crush. But you keep wanting to see this person. You go out of your way to see this person, blah, 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 blah. And yet you still say yourself, to yourself, oh, but it's just a crush. Even though in, in front of your very eyes, it keeps developing. And yet you live your life the same way, and eventually you end up hurting the other person's feelings. That's what happens when you lie to yourself only instead of that being a material other human being in front of you it's another part of you that you're hurting so i think that's what it is it's an important message so uh, as we close what do you hope the next generation of students get right and or campuses as well if you want to address campuses as well well for one thing if i could say something to all of you students or or campuses uh... all students and all campuses Be nice to each other, but do your best. Just in uh, in Japanese, you'd say "ganbatte kudasai." So everyone, minasan, ganbatte kudasai. Like, like do 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 your best. Like there is no other way I can say it. If you want something, go for it, but don't hurt anyone. Uh, respect your dreams. Respect your health. Respect your friends. Don't be afraid to love, to lose. Don't be afraid of uh, experimenting. Don't be afraid to learn a new language. Don't be afraid to connect with roots you never thought you would reconnect with. Just always question your fear. That's what I would say. Thanks so much. That's a really good, really important message. Um, it makes me think of a lot of, of things from my own life. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we close? Um... Uh, I don't know. I think that's um, uh, that's about it. I, I've given a lot of shout outs. So I, who would I shout out to? Amanda, Nadej. Well, I'm, I'm talking to David. I, I shout out to Patricia. I'm going to shout out to um, another uh, two other people. One is one of my co my two co-workers, Krista and Hannah. You guys were so much fun last semester and all the like random things we talk about in the in the office. That was amazing. So love you guys. Shout out to my best friend, uh, Shreta. She's the best. Uh, and a shout out to someone I know who uh, drew uh, a sheep that looked like a tree for me once. That was adorable, but you were so bad at drawing sheep. And you know this, so that's it. Well, thanks for sharing your time, Nadia. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode two of season one of the Student Success Exchange podcast. Hope you enjoyed Nadia and I discussing how her time at university influenced her appreciation for empathy, curiosity, relationships, mentorship, authenticity, and so much more. Can't forget to thank Jose Miguel, the musician, and my friend 
for the awesome music at the introduction and conclusion of this podcast. Future episodes will be available on davidipyam.com or wherever you download your podcasts. Until next time, have a great one and keep striving.